This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter chapter 2. Just give you a moment to find it. And we'll read a couple of verses together. So the second chapter of 1 Peter. <clears throat> Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes to desire the desire this pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Particularly that part there, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Now, Bible writers were very fond of using metaphors, analogies, or similes in order to express divine truth. So they used these little word pictures, if you will, so that the readers would hear and see what they were trying to say. The Apostle Paul used many. Oftentimes he would use uh, terms from agriculture. He says, I planted, Paulus watered, but it was God who gave the increase. In 2 Corinthians 9, he talked about sowing and reaping. If we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. Sometimes he used uh, terms that would be from architecture. Uh, he said that uh, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, he called himself a wise master builder. And he warns us to take heed how we're building our lives. Uh, sometimes he used the illustrations from, uh, from the military, from the army. Uh, said to uh, Pastor Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He talked in Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God. Sometimes from the world of athletics. Know you not that they that run on a race run all, but one receives the prize. He says, I have run my race, I have finished my course, and so forth. And so, Peter also used word pictures. He talked about our faith being as gold that was purified. He talked, we just mentioned it there in that scripture about uh, young Christians particularly as babes who would be fed on the milk of the word. He talked about the devil going about as a roaring lion or false prophets as wells without water, as clouds without rain or our bodies at death being like a tent folded up or pastors as shepherds of the flock. Now here right in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, he likens us, the church, individually. He likens us to living stones. Living stones. Kind of a strange 
cryptic term, isn't it? Living stones. In fact, this sounds, I suppose, like an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? An oxymoron is where you get two unrelated words and you put them together to describe something. But whenever you look at it and you think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. For example, uh, we often say there was a deafening silence. Or we say Hollywood makes movies today and some of them are just pure filth. <laughs> uh, somebody says that military intelligence is an oxymoron. Or somebody says the greatest one is Microsoft Works. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> and so the context here that Peter's saying, uh, he borrows from Isaiah chapter 28. If I can just read this, you don't need to turn to this. But in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and whoever believes will not act hastily. And in Psalm 118, verse 22, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in her eyes, obviously speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he is building up a temple and he himself is the foundation stone and he's the chief cornerstone, he's the capstone and you and I individually are living stones built up into this great temple that Christ is building, his church as it were. Uh, Some of your translations may say lively stones but it means the same thing. So that's the kind of a context that Peter's speaking about here. But he uses this term, living stones. And if you think about it, when he uses the term living, you're thinking of something that's, that's pliable, that's fluid, that's moldable, uh, that can be shaped and molded. And when you think of the word stone, you're thinking of something that's permanent, that's fixed, that's set, that's established. Uh, And so this picture of living stones, Peter is uh, showing us these two essential parts of our Christian experience. Living stones. And so the Christian life is about being established, set, permanent, solid, and yet... And yet, at the same time, uh, being moldable, being able to be fashioned by God, to be pliable, adaptable. Uh, Paul, in second, Paul in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, he talks about being rooted and built up in him. Roots go down. He mixes his metaphor here. Roots go down and buildings go up. Being rooted and built up in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, being steadfast, immovable, that's the stone part, isn't it? Yet always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. You see, that's the other bit of it, isn't it? That is the living part. Good parents, they raise their children with certain values, certain virtues, Foundation stones, if you will. Things like honesty and integrity. 
decency, have a good temperament, good manners, respect, etc. All of those are things that we want to set and establish in the lives of our children. But then they grow up, one becomes a poet, one becomes a postman, one becomes a scientist, one becomes a road sweeper, one becomes a doctor, one becomes a dustman. And it really doesn't really, really, really matter what they become in that sense, it's what they are. It's what they are. And the stones in our lives make us what we are. We grow up as believers. One becomes a musician, one becomes a singer, perhaps a Sunday school teacher, maybe a missionary, maybe a preacher, maybe a Christian worker, maybe a helper, a volunteer in the work of the Lord. And what makes a difference is the stones that we have established in our lives that are set like love and compassion and generosity and faith and hope and mercy. And so as believers, we should be grounded, yet growing, fixed, and yet fluid, solid, and yet stretching, rooted, yet built up, steadfast, unmovable, yet always abounding. So there's those two dimensions ought to be in our Christian experience at all times, both of them together. You see this principle here at work in Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 1 and 2, therefore, the writer says, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, excuse me, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits So in other words, he's saying, listen to these people. By this time, you've got the foundations. You've got the basics. You've got the ABCs of the Christian faith. Now he says, move on from that. Build on that. Do something more than just that. Don't just stay there and stop there, but keep growing. That's your foundation. Now keep growing. In Galatians uh, chapter 4, Verse 19, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Ah. The Galatians, you know, they started out well, but there was in danger that they weren't going to finish well. In the next chapter, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, You ran well. Then he says, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. So in other words, he was saying, Listen, you began well. You started out right. You were thinking the right way. You were doing the right things. But he says, You're in danger if you don't progress and you don't build on that and go on. You're in danger in going back. So he says, Be careful. I'm worried about you, he says, until I have to have to labor again, he says, until Christ is formed in you. Is once not enough to have to do this all over again? 
And so there's these two aspects of our Christian experience. If we're saved a reasonable length of time, we should be set, we should be established, we'd be solid in the faith, and yet growing, continually growing in the faith, continually, so that we're living stones. Christians can be divided, I suppose, into four groups. There are those that are grounded, but they're not growing. They have a good foundation. They've got the ABCs, but that's as far as they've gone. And even after many years, some that's as far as they have gone. And they need to continually build and to grow and to mature and to go on in the things of God. And so there's no growth in their lives anymore. They're grounded, but they're not growing. But then there's those who are growing, but they're not grounded. They have a zeal, the Bible says, but without knowledge. They're enthusiastic. They're zealous, but they haven't much knowledge. And it's good to be zealous, and it's good to be enthusiastic, but you need to build knowledge into that. So it's not just emotion. There's more than that. You need that. But you need more than just that. So they grow quickly, but they have just shallow roots. Or to change the metaphor, they have the foundation, and the higher they try to build on that, because their foundation is shallow, the higher they try to build on that, eventually they get lopsided one way or the other. You know, you think of the Tower of Pisa, or you think of the Albert Clock in Belfast, to bring a more... Uh, local illustration where the foundation is not so good built in boggy ground and after years and years and years with the weight of it with the height of it it begins to, began to slope over to one side and like the Tower of Pisa the Albert clock had to be reinforced they had to get down into the foundation shore up as best they could because if it kept going it would totally collapse so there are those who are growing, but they're not grounded. R.T. Kendall said, the worst thing that can happen to a man is to succeed before he is ready. And we see that very, very clearly in the celebrity world. A singer or an actor or even a sports personality, somebody suddenly is thrust into the limelight and they're young and they're immature and you find out a little while later, and they admit it themselves, they could not handle the fame and the prosperity and the idolation and the, all that went along with it. They just could not handle that. And some of them blows up and goes on to drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be, and their lives become shipwrecked because of it. They had the success, but they weren't ready to handle the success. And sometimes this is a worry even in, in the Christian world uh, because oftentimes, uh, particularly through the advent of television and all the rest of it, oftentimes somebody shoots to prominence very, very quickly and very, very highly and they're not ready for it. They don't have the maturity that goes with that. And they get caught up in all kinds of things and 
and the adulation and, and the fame and all of that there. And just like the world, they're just not ready for it. They just can't handle it. And then there are those who are neither grounded or growing. They claim Christ, but there's very little evidence of any fruit in their lives. They're neither grounded or growing. And after years of professing Christ, they are still in their spiritual nappies. And they're still prone to throwing their spiritual bottle out of the pram. After years, no change, no maturity, still the same. Still making the same mistakes, doing the same stuff, neither grounded or growing. But then there are some who are both grounded and growing. These are the living stones that Peter talks about. Both grounded and growing. They have matured. They bear good fruit. Their foundation is solid. Their roots go deep. They're going down and they're going up. Because they're grounded and they're growing. You are a living stone, Peter says. And we need to ask ourselves a question. Am I a living stone? Am I grounded and am I growing in the things of God? Are we grounded in grace? Are we growing in grace? Hebrews 13 and 9, For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Thank God for grace. Where would we be today without the grace of God? We grow in the grace of God. We're established in the grace of God. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace is something that we get rooted in and we grow in and we get established in. Just like a grow bag in your hothouse for your tomatoes or whatever. That's the environment where they grow best and grace is the environment in which we grow best. So we grow in grace and we're grounded in grace. Faith is the same. We're grounded in faith. Colossians 2.7 Rooted and built up in him established in the faith. Growing in faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 says your faith grows exceedingly. And so when you come to Christ and you're saved by grace through faith, when you come to Christ, you are in faith. You come in faith. You believe Christ by faith. But then you start to grow in that faith. You start to exercise that muscle of faith more and more and more, even on a daily basis. So that you're grounded in your faith and you're growing in your faith. It's the same as love, isn't it? Ephesians 3.17 That you being rooted and grounded in love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 May the Lord make you to increase and abound in love to one another and to all. 
And so that's a foundation for us, but it's also something to grow in and grow into and grow up in. The Apostle John, of course, lived the longest of all the apostles. And when you read his epistles, you particularly see how he is urging and showing and encouraging believers to love one another. He was the apostle of love, was he not? And so he encourages believers to be grounded and to be growing in love. What about service? What about being grounded in service? In Mark chapter 10, Jesus has much to say about service. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. He said unto them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand, the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, Well, you indeed will drink of the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptized with. Will be, I'm baptized you... Sorry. And with the baptism, baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now Jesus here, the Son of God no less, the creator of the ends of the earth, portrays himself as a servant, the greatest leader the world has ever known. And yet he says, I'm a servant, and you ought to be servants. And again, sometimes I worry and despair even when I see sometimes there are particular preachers and they've gone from being a servant to be a Lord over all. They've gone from being a servant to being a celebrity. Well, they don't meet anybody or greet anybody. Well, they come into service and go out of service and they're gone. And there's no connection with anybody. Because everybody's there to serve them. They're not there to serve anybody. And that's a tragedy that's come into the church. And it's sad. Because it's so far removed from Jesus. It's so far removed from what he taught. In John chapter 13, he even goes further than that. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, 
that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he, had, he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered to him, what I, am doing, you, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you're not all clean. And when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. You say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, having washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you were to read that same incident in Luke chapter 22 and verse 24, you'll see why he did that action. Because there was an argument among them of who should be the greatest. So suddenly, they got way above their station. These were the 12 disciples. For a long time now, they had become many celebrities on the trail of Jesus. People began to recognize them, to know them by their name. And so they were thinking about the kingdom is going to come. He's the Messiah. He's going to kick out the Romans. He's going to set up his kingdom. James and John wanted the throne beside him, either side. And there was a whole debate among them. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus brought them right down to earth. And he said, listen, if you want to be leaders in my kingdom, you've got to be servants. You'll never be a leader unless and until you become a servant. And so he took the towel and he washed their feet. One translation says he put on the apron and he washed their feet. Hmm. If you want to wear the robes of a leader, you've got to wear the apron of a servant. And that's what he looks for. Are you willing to serve? Are you established in serving the kingdom of God in whatever capacity that may be? Some people is a higher profile. That's fine. Some people's behind the scenes. That's fine. Some people it may not be in the church building. That's fine. It may be out there somewhere. That's fine. As long as you're finding something to do for the kingdom. 
You're serving in some way. Some people perhaps have incapacity. They're not fit. They're not able. Perhaps their ministry is intercession. They spend time in prayer, praying for people continually every day. They make that a rule in their life. There's people they have set apart for prayer. They specify. They say, wonderful. Find something that you can do and get established in serving the Lord and then grow in your service. Find ways to expand and to do that. And don't be afraid to get your sleeves rolled up and get stuck in. I'm often convicted. Because I read about the early church and I read about the apostles especially. And how that, you know, that church just exploded. The early church just absolutely exploded in the day of Pentecost. Suddenly they had thousands of people professing Christ. And, and they had to kind of get some organization involved to, to look after these people and to help these people and to teach these people. Uh, but also, uh, some needed to be fed. And so they set up a, a kitchen. And, and, and then there was rows between different groups. Some was getting more, some was getting less. Uh, and Peter says, listen. He says, get people among you, people of faith, people of wisdom, let them do this. We have to give ourselves to prayer and to the word of God. And, and that's a problem to me because I, I had an attitude for many, many years, and probably still have it, that I would not ask anybody to do anything that I wasn't prepared to do myself. And should that be to knock down a wall or clean out a toilet or drive a minibus or whatever the case may be, if it's church related, if it's kingdom related, I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that I'm not prepared to do. But there comes a point, either because of my age or whatever, I'm just not fit to do it sometimes anymore. Some of the younger men has to do it, the younger woman has to do it. But I realize more and more, I got to give myself more and more to the Word of God and to prayer. That's my priority. There's others who can knock down a wall. That's fine. I don't feel it any way demeans me or it's beneath me to do any of those things. But if I don't give myself to spending time with Him and in the Word of God, then you're the ones who's going to suffer at the end of the day. All right? But that, that's always been a problem for me because I, I just have this thing about don't ask anybody to do anything that you, you're not prepared to do yourself. You don't get your hands dirty. Well, you can't expect anybody else to do that. But thank God we have a good bunch of people in here uh, who are willing. This whole Easter production, I have nothing to do with this. I have absolutely nothing to do with it. So if it goes pear shape, blame Clifford. <laughs> He's in charge. <laughs> but there's a lot of work to be done. Johnny and Miles is working here, working the week. If you've seen this place during the week, you would not believe what it's like well, the work they've got to do to get this thing done. And sometimes I come in and look at it and I shake my head and think, I come in here on our Thursday night, Clifford, now, how in the world are we going to get everybody in here? You, you're quite confident we can do this, but I saw the side of this thing. But they get on with it. And what do I do? I get on with reading the Word of God. I get on with seeking the Lord so that there's some food for you on Sunday when you come. Because if I run about all week doing all kinds of other stuff, let me tell you, I'm not good at ad-libbing. I'm not good at winging it. I like to be prepared. That's just the way I am. So you'll have to excuse me from time to time if you think I'm not doing very much. 
believe me, I am, but it mightn't look like it sometimes if you see other boys lifting stuff and doing stuff, but that's because I just let them get on with it. But be grounded in service and be growing in service. Titus 2, 7, having a pattern of good works. Hebrews 10, 24, provoke one another unto good works. 1 Timothy 6, 18, that they do good and be rich in good works. Good works doesn't get you saved, but after you're saved, there's got to be a pattern of good works in your life, isn't there? You've got to do something for the kingdom of God and make sure that you're growing and that you're grounded in service. Grounded and growing in your giving. In your giving. Not just your physical money. But have a spirit of generosity. Of giving. It may be your time. It may be your talent. It may be your ability to do something. You may be gifted in some way. Find an outlet for that. Do that. Be generous in your giving. Get grounded in it and grow in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're almost finished here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Acacia, that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Isn't that a wonderful term? They have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Whatever that may mean. To the ministry of the saints. To helping other believers. Maybe it was a practical way. Maybe it was a financial way. Maybe it was giving them food, encouragement, whatever the case may be. These people were devoted to the ministry of the saints. They were grounded in giving and they were growing in their giving. Do not be miserly and niggardly when it comes to your giving. Be generous of spirit. You say, well, I, I don't have much to give. Well, whatever it is, make sure you give it. Whatever it is. Give some time. Give your ability. Give encouragement. If you need to go and give somebody a meal, do it. Do something. Be a generous, giving, grounded growing person and God will honor and God will bless Peter says that we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house and every stone should fit together Paul gives the analogy of the body every joint supplying it's the same with building up the spiritual house Every stone should fit together. And that's what makes us strong whenever we're together. Amen? When we fit together, that makes us strong and that helps us. And that keeps us growing and it keeps us grounded. Amen? Let's pray. Let's have servant hearts. 
Lord, we just pause for a moment in your presence. Help us to be those living stones that your word talks about. And Lord, the areas that we need to grow more in, help us to do that. The areas that we need to be established and set in, help us to do that. Lord, that we may become mature believers, not tossed about with every wind that blows, but Lord, rock solid, pillars, dependable, accountable, and yet always growing and being adaptable and being fluid in the will of God. So we give you thanks and we bless you today. And we thank you for your goodness that is in our lives on a daily basis. Lord, we look back over many years, some of us, and we see your faithfulness. We'll see your hand that has led and directed and guided us to where we are today. And we give you thanks for that. So Lord, bless this congregation, this body of people, your body in this house. And we pray that we will grow and continue to mature in the things of God. And Lord, you can use us more effectively in your kingdom. So we bless you today, returning thanks to you for all of your mercies. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more messages like this one, visit us online at www.mpc.org.uk. You'll also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal.